All right, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you're listening around the world. Um, I welcome to Women in Environmental Science. I'm Serenia Nantapantla, and I have Dr. Eleftheria Kontau with me today. Um, so thank you so much for coming to my podcast. Definitely, thank you for having me. Yeah, so to, to get us started, um, could you elaborate more on who you are, where you're from, and some of the work you're doing? Sure, I am Ria Contu. I'm an assistant professor in the Department of Civil and Environmental Engineering at the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. And uh, there I have a research group where we develop quantitative models, algorithms, and do a lot of work with data. So we provide data-driven solutions to address mobility and sustainability challenges that are posed by emerging and electrified transportation systems. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like, um, I think earlier, right before we started recording, we were talking about the connection between technology and earth, or, sorry, transportation and earth science or, and environmental science. So could mm -hmm. you elaborate more on the connection between those two fields? Sure. So transportation is powered largely um, across the world by fossil fuels nowadays, mm -hmm. and it contributes a lot towards emissions, uh, greenhouse gases, particulate matter, it has a deep connection with air quality at the regional level, as well as health impacts, right? So it is important to think about these connections and opportunities that new technologies, policies, uh, and innovations can bring towards reducing its environmental impact. Uh, we have a lot of those nowadays with the introduction of electric vehicles mm -hmm. um, and other emerging services that enable us to manage transportation better and to improve its efficiency. Yeah, so I was just about to ask about the like new technologies we have to reduce environmental impact. And I know we always hear about electric vehicles. Um, so other than electric vehicles, what other like um, innovations are there in technology that can help us reduce our our emissions? Sure. So electric vehicles is a primary one. It kind of tackles the vehicle's um, efficiency directly, but there are other ways to improve um, the system's level efficiency. For example, we can have vehicles that are autonomous and they are co uh, co collaborative, right? So they coordinate and talk to each other so we can improve the total system's efficiency and the sustainability of the system by minimizing, let's say, the emissions of uh, that they contribute to, to the environment. There's also, um, uh, let's see, other types of innovations, such as um, uh, the ability to share vehicles. Yes. Nowadays, we have oh, all yeah. these programs, right? Mm -hmm. uh, with uh, Uber and Lyft, for example, the ability that they provide to, uh, to have one vehicle, but to be shared across many people. Um, other types of car sharing, right, where you can utilize a vehicle for uh, for a trip and then leave it somewhere else, and then another person can do the same. And of course, we have a lot of innovations in public transportation, a lot of new infrastructure that can facilitate active active transportation modes. All of these contribute to more efficient solutions to um, be mobile. Yeah, exactly. Um, I like carpooling is like one of the things you a talk big about thing. yeah yeah and just like transporting more people at the same time increases like the efficiency I think mm -hmm. of how, like, the people travel but also reduces our CO2 emissions like mm -hmm. um maybe like school buses right they yeah definitely 
Definitely. Yeah. There's a big trend towards electrification of school buses as well nowadays and incentives to do that. Um, and this is a big leap, like transitioning from diesel buses that have a lot of tailpipe emissions, right? So to an electric mode is huge. Yeah. And I think I read some of your research about like um, the U.S. active school travel. Mm -hmm. uh, could you elaborate more on that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this was an interesting study. Uh, we did an analysis using United States travel patterns, particularly focusing on youth and the ways that um, the modes that they are using in order to travel to school. What we found out was that um, a lot of uh, kids and youth are not really um, walking or bicycling to school. They are either driven there or they're driving themselves. Um, this can have an impact. It's crucial to associate um, reaching school and physical activity for youth. There is a deep connection there. Um, and it's kind of a pointer towards the need for authorities to provide better ways and better infrastructure to help the words facilitate safe school travel by um, bike or on foot. Um, Unfortunately, we've seen that in the US, these uh, trends of uh, walking and biking to school are declining over the years. Um, and this means that we need to be able to invest in infrastructure and help uh, towards safer travel to school. Yeah, um, it's, I, 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 like, like I'm, in, I'm in high school right now. So it's nice that I can see like the research you're doing um, just like play out in front of me. Like I think everybody at school either gets there using some sort of um, wheeled uh, van, uh -huh. something mm -hmm. that emits CO2. Like, I don't know many people who bike to school, although mm -hmm. I'm sure there are some, but um, like you said, providing like safer ways to, to bike to school. I think also like the distance might be too far, right? Yeah. So maybe like, um, would it be possible if we had like smaller districts, like smaller school districts Would that? Yeah. Yeah, that is a very good that that is a very good observation. Uh, we've seen that the majority of the people who walk or bike to school live very close mm -hmm. to the to this location, right? So it is easy for them to to choose this mode as an option. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you that the uh, districting and um, uh, the community's involvement, uh, the youth's involvement in making such decisions is important moving forward which means that kind of transportation and creating urban environments, right, is interconnected. Right, exactly. It's, you, need, you need both the community and the actual like solution and mm -hmm. um, policies and other, other things that support. Um, so going back to electric vehicles, um, mm -hmm. do you think that is one of our biggest solutions for climate change? Like if we all switch to electric vehicles? Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, it is it is a, a great solution, actually, because um, it is readily available nowadays. It can help towards decarbonizing this fossil fueled um, field. Um, there is an opportunity when we completely transition to electric vehicles to actually uh, help eliminate tailpipe emissions of transportation, particularly for the passenger vehicles. And we can do that at low cost because we're using a technology that most of the people are familiar with. 
right? Not fundamentally changing the way that we drive, but uh, improving significantly the efficiency of the vehicle and eliminating its tailpipe emissions. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, it is also important to uh, to note the, the drawbacks, though, that uh, might come with that, right? So um, electric vehicles are uh, um, relying on electricity, right? So uh, in order to transition to a net zero phase, right, mm-hmm. and uh, be able to reverse the uh, climate change effects, it's important to uh, um, decarbonize also the power grid and mm-hmm. integrate more renewables in the mix. So um, thinking about the transportation system independently um, is not a good idea. We need to couple it with the electricity sector and mm-hmm. see transitions in both of those fields in order to accrue more benefits. Gotcha. And also, um, when like we we hear about like lithium shortages, uh, like mineral uh, mining for minerals that are used in electric vehicles are now like um, scarce, right? Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, they were always scarce, but they're, they're like even more scarce now, right? Yeah, so I think, absolutely. I think, like you said, not just looking at the transportation sector, but looking at everything, um, mining and um, uh, all the other sectors, you you get the actual full picture of what's happening. Yeah, ethical supply chains for raw materials of batteries is needed. Uh, while also it is important to think about end-of-life recycling mm-hmm. so that we can uh, reuse um, these materials. And of course, these are very good and emerging fields of research, right? So uh, not only we need to facilitate their deployment, but also study them more so that we can come up with uh, um, cooler science to, to address these challenges, right? So um, it, is, it is very important to invest both in funding um, research and also the implementation and the deployment of these new technologies um, and practices for ethical mining. Gotcha. So like right now, are there any like um, possible ways to be like any efficient ways to recycle the minerals that are in our cars or electronic devices we're using? Yeah, that is a good question. This is not actually my field of expertise, so I, I am not going to get uh, into that too much. There are uh, researchers and scientists that are studying these ways, and I'm sure that um, uh, the Department of Energy and other entities are really uh, trying to invest towards these goals. Uh, I'm not really familiar with the exact practices since it's a little bit like outside my field. It's more of a material scientist yeah. uh, type of um, of uh, field of study. Gotcha, gotcha. So now like, um, I guess switching a bit over to like the way you conduct the research. Mm-hmm. So I'm, as I told you before we started recording, my background is like in science, like the more science aspect of it, but your background is in like the engineering part, right? Mm-hmm. So in science, we have like the, you know, like the intro methods, um, results, and then conclusion. But in, in, in that way, in, in the science way, it's like you have like a field experiment, a lab experiment, something like that. That's, mm-hmm. that's what I've done so far. Um, but can you tell me about like the way research is conducted? Because I know you use like technology. It's very data driven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's pre- I, w- I wouldn't say that it varies that much. Um, it, it depends a lot on what type of research you do in engineering. There is the computational part and there is also the experimental part. Mm-hmm. So still there are opportunities to do experimental research in engineering. 
I would say that in the computational part that I am focusing on primarily, we do a lot of simulations, a lot of modeling. Mm. Um, we take, for example, a system like a transportation system where you have infrastructure supply and you have travel demand and you model both ends um, and you try to determine what would be a good solution, for example, to the electrification problem, right? How can we accelerate adoption what, and assess what would be the benefits um, to the environment, to the energy use of transitioning to um, electric vehicles? So mm -hmm. I think that it's the same approach, right? You develop your methodology, you conduct your experiments, whether those are involving computation or they are actually use, utilizing the technology in the field. And then you evaluate the results. Um, you make sure that you do enough experiments so that you can kind of validate your studies yeah. and your, your conclusions, right? And then, uh, of course, you learn from the existing literature always and you support yeah. your assumptions based on that. Um, so hopefully this kind of addresses the, the difference there. Engineering is exciting because sometimes you get also to see uh, what you developed being leveraged by the public. Mm -hmm. um, and this is actually, I guess, the, the, the most interesting part of, um, uh, of a professor's life to see their work like being uh, impactful. Yeah. Um, have you had experiences like that? Uh, I mean, uh, usually this happens when we are uh, doing some research that is funded by um, an agency. Like, for example, we have um, some work that is funded by the Illinois Department of Transportation, and they are focusing on understanding how the state can um, deploy charging infrastructure to support their electrification goals. Mm -hmm. And in this process, our research informs their planning. Um, it's one parameter, right, because um, when you go into planning for such a complicated system, you have to listen to a variety of stakeholders. One of the stakeholders is researcher and uh, uh, research from academia, right? right? But you have, of course, industry, you have the interests of advocacy groups, nonprofits, and um, being a part of such a team that informs uh, decisions that might be affecting the transportation system in five to 10 years down the road is, um, is a great feeling. It's very fulfilling, actually. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you're, you're, you, you, how you talked about like the being in the team where, where you're working with so many other um, kinds of people, I think that's super, super interesting. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so like I'm, like I mentioned, I, I'm, I'm interested in engineering. So what do you think that um, one would need to learn um, in order to pursue engineering? Um, yeah, I think that it's important to have a good fundamental knowledge of uh, math, science, physics, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Engineers have this fundamental knowledge as well. Um, but also it starts from interest to explore uh, questions that are related to maybe problems that we are facing nowadays, right? So um, how can we improve the efficiency on the road system creates questions around um, do we actually make uh, the best management of our traffic control systems in place, right? And mm -hmm. can we improve that by proposing new algorithms, new technologies that can help us navigate the roadways uh, in ways that can reduce delays um, and also help people um, reach new opportunities? So a lot of the questions that we tackle in engineering stem from 
um, real world problems. And I think this is maybe um, an interesting, uh, an exciting point for people that are interested in um, getting into engineering. Absolutely. And I think that like, um, because we're, because everything is coming from those real world issue, it really, like you said earlier, makes your work impactful when you're able to under when you know that it's going to have such a big impact um, mm -hmm. on on like the future and I think that's that's really cool so um one of the so one of the things um I also wanted to talk about was um how does like the role of transportation um in in technology and policy innovations like how does that help in achieving urban sustainability yeah great question so transportation is very relatable, right? Uh, it's everywhere around in our lives. People are using their cars to get to work, public transportation to, um, to reach opportunities. Um, they are traveling on food or by bike. Um, so it is very important to, to think about creating a transportation system and environment that uh, is very efficient. Um, uses its resources and conserves them, um, as well as contributes the minimum possible extent to um, uh, environmental emissions, right? So, um, of course, uh, innovation and policy go hand in hand in terms of uh, having the infrastructure in place to support new, more efficient technologies, but also the policies that will drive people to adopt them. Um, thinking about electric vehicles, right? Um, if there is not a lot of charging infrastructure, people are not um, really um, thinking about owning electric vehicles mm -hmm. and vice versa. If there is not a lot of um, electric vehicles adopted, then how would industry providers go ahead and deploy infrastructure because mm -hmm. it wouldn't make a lot of financial sense, right? So we see that this becomes uh, pretty important um, innovation and policy making in terms of meeting our environmental sustainability and urban sustainability goals um, are need to be developed uh, concurrently. Yeah, I, I think that applies to almost every like aspect of um, envir environmental science and trying to like solve our climate problem is or a few uh, problems that arise from climate change. Mm -hmm. It's that policy is like a really big factor in it. Um, Right, you need you need to like have um, yeah, like regulations on transportation. I think is it, it may need to be implemented. And I think um, so. So, what do you think that um, policies, like future policies, may need to look like in order for us to like um, cut down on our on our um, carbon emissions through transportation? Sure. So, in in my field of electrification, we see the very um, important. Um, uh, outcome that incentives for electric vehicles have. So for example, the availability of rebates or tax credits for electric vehicles drive ownership. Um, also the investment, the public investment on charging infrastructure can lead to a spreading interest about um, electric vehicles, particularly in communities that are disadvantaged or currently underserved. Mm -hmm. um, uh, other uh, other ways to to go about it is also invest in public transportation and expand mm -hmm. the um, mode alternatives that people can tap into and can use daily 
uh, public transportation is very efficient and also has um, small carbon footprint. So it's a good, uh, it's a very good option for people's travel, um, as well as, of course, investing in a safe um, bicycling and um, um, sidewalk infrastructure for pedestrians and bicyclists. Um, all of these types of solutions can help towards um, um, an urban sustainable environment and um, are driven by public agencies in terms of, um, we know that the solutions exist there because research has highlighted them as important parameters of having efficient and safe environments, but investments are needed in order to be deployed um, in the places that are um, the most critical. Exactly. Um, and I think that, oops, <laughs> I think that has like um, significant, um, I think that, uh, like you said, um, the the policies we need to um, put in place, like we talked about public transportation um, earlier as well. So do you think that public transportation uh, can be improved in any way? Or do you think like for now, this is what we should um, go forward to? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, it is important to think about um, transitioning to electric buses, right? First of all, this will improve um, their, their efficiency and also um, reduce the emissions of this uh, very efficient system um, mm -hmm. that we currently have. Um, at the very same time, um, it is important to improve also um, access to transit, right? So the, the thing about transit is uh, thinking about both bus and rail is that um, uh, you have this static um, uh, stations, right? That you need to head to. So mm -hmm. it does not provide people the flexibility that a car does. Um, so it is important to create, for example, walkable environments or parking lots where people can go to and um, transition, right? Mm -hmm. um, so this, this um, kind of propagates across uh, um, several uh, areas, right? Uh, it's not only that we need improvements and maybe um, more frequent um, routes like bus routes uh, or um, um, uh, let's say subway programs, but also we need to improve the infrastructure around the, their stations mm -hmm. to have more people access them, to have safer um, stations, right? Uh, particularly at night so that we can facilitate um, their usage by various people. Um, and think about it in a more holistic and comprehensive way. And this is usually how more experts across fields are getting involved in planning for such systems. Um, thinking about both engineers and urban planners, um, safety advocates, um, several several stakeholders that um, are actually concerned about these types of new investments and how more people can utilize them in an equitable way. Yeah, I think I think um, having like you said, having like um, like it's not only about improving the transportation we have now, but it's about improving the area around that. Like if you get off at a train that's at one specific station, the train can't go everywhere like a car can. Um, and then from there, like having like shuttles or or whatever to transport you to different places, um, but have that be of low cost because um, that that is like one of the big reasons why public transportation is is like 
good. It saves time, but it's also like cheap as um, in some in some places, depending on what you take, of course. Um, so I think that um, for sure that we can't just look at the place itself. We have to look at the things around it. Um, and like you said, the the like making a city more um, walkable is is uh, has it been put into place um, in in some cities that you've maybe like studied? Oh yeah, it's it's actually very common in campus towns, right? So when we develop uh, master plans for different universities, um, this actually happens in my university. A lot of stakeholders come together, including faculty that are interested and also have expertise in the field, um, and they plan kind of provide their their insights. They plan for the next. 10 to 15 years of the development of their own a campus town. So it becomes very common to have students involved, faculty involved, staff, administrators, um, alumni, all, all, all of them give uh, their perspective, right? And emphasize their needs in order to be able to create um, a, a transportation system that can serve the community best. Mm -hmm. um, we see this, for example, with thinking about the, um, the charging infrastructure for electric vehicles that we're, we're going to need for the next 10 years, right? And it's important to think beyond just its deployment, but also its management. Um, so uh, how can we have practices in place that will eliminate congestion or crowding at different charging stations? Mm -hmm. And where should these be, right? Should these be close by to the stadium so they can accommodate traffic from alumni that uh, and students that come to like uh, watch a game? And so thinking about all these parameters, um, thinking about the demand and the supply, the infrastructure that the system needs to have in place to accommodate um, travel uh, mm -hmm. becomes important. Yeah, and I think this goes back to how your work is so interdisciplinary, because you have to think about yeah, economics and like engineering and also like the layout of the city, right? Mm -hmm. um, so where where do you think how do you think charging stations should be placed in a way that um, like helps uh, that is most efficient to like um, build and is as best for people? Also, mm -hmm. how um, actually let's 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 answer that first. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. So there are I, I would say that there are two categories for electric vehicle charging infrastructure. The first one is focusing on what we call corridor charging. This is charging and route when you are conducting long distance trips, thinking about traveling from one city to another, right? Um, trips that take usually more than two hours to complete and you go through more than 150 miles on average. Uh, these types of trips re might require you to stop uh, before you reach your actual destination and spend some time charging. And this suggests that we need dense infrastructure uh, across interstates uh, that are primary candidates for um, this type of station siting. Um, then we also need infrastructure in urban cores mm -hmm. and particularly in locations where people tend to spend some time um, in between trips. For example, let's say that I'm traveling to the mall uh, and I'm staying there for a couple of hours doing shopping, grocery stop shopping, going to the gym, I have the capability to recharge my vehicle um, 
within a two hour time frame. Uh, so these are also good candidates for infrastructure deployment. Of course, this has to do also with the travel patterns of each city, the origins and destinations of different people. And we, we need uh, to uh, also remember that electric vehicles can be also charged at home, right? So um, there is this capability that might not be there for everyone. Uh, we see that those that reside in single family houses um, tend to have private garages and access to ports where they can actually plug their uh, electric vehicles. But those that might live in apartment complexes or um, yeah, or not have a private uh, parking lot and they have to park on the curb, right? They mm -hmm. might not be able to reach a charging station easily. So mm -hmm. these are the ones that will rely more on public charging. Um, planning uh, involves like this quite complicated analysis where you start from evaluating travel patterns across uh, these dimensions. Mm -hmm. um, and then you are able to understand the, the charging um, constraints and uh, capacity for every vehicle. Um, and then um, essentially propose locations that would uh, meet also maybe budget um, mm -hmm. restrictions that a company might have and uh, profit generation that they, they will be driven by. Yeah, so that's a lot of factors to think about. Yeah. I think that, um, I think like like some of the examples you gave, like having it at the mall, um, having it like in your house, if that's possible is is good, but we have to accommodate everybody. Um, so it, that's where like the planning comes around. Um, so do you think like other than transportation, how can we electrify like maybe houses, um, buildings, other, other um, infrastructure? Sure, so there is a lot of, um new technological innovations that aim to electrify residences um, with heat pumps, for example, is one uh, new technology. Um, thinking about all the appliances at home, it is important to consider switching to more efficient options um, and also improve um, aids back, like uh, air conditioning and mm -hmm. heating um, uh, management, right? So that you can, uh, you can have it um, essentially be responsive to the climate outside uh, and also your presence in the building. The same mm -hmm. thing holds with lighting in residences and offices. So buildings already have a lot of uh, innovative technologies that can be um, implemented in them, integrated, and with proper management techniques, we can improve efficiency in this level. There is a lot of uh, industry um, electrification potential, um, and a lot of research on this field that is emerging currently. Um, and of course, the sector of um, electricity generation uh, is uh, becoming more and more efficient. Um, so this is a, a, a much needed step towards helping every single field that will rely, every single sector that will rely on electricity to become um, um, less carbon intensive. Um, so this is a huge step, renewables integration, solar, um, uh, wind farms deployment, um, any, any type of technology, uh, carbon capture can also help towards mitigating some negative effects 
of uh, fossil fuels still being uh, utilized to generate electricity. All of these technologies are important and are part of solutions towards more sustainable future. Yeah, for sure. Actually, um, you know, I, I have like this theory, like, or not really a theory, but more like a belief that um, small people like us, we can all, like, if we all work together, we all do um, things that are more like um, better for the climate, better for the environment, we can all make like a big impact. Mm -hmm. However, some things that when we, when we're studying things like um, wind energy or like solar energy, it's, it's like sometimes depending on um, the, the background of the person, like economically or, and um, where they live, things like that, it, it can be hard to implement some of those things. So um, what do you suggest uh, for people like individually to do to reduce their like climate impact? Uh, that's a great question. So for transportation, which is kind of my specific field of study, uh, I would suggest um, thinking about efficient mode alternatives that are available to, to, to each person, right? So public transportation, as we said, it's a good option. So maybe it is, um, it will be interesting for some people who don't have exposure to um, taking a bus, right? Mm -hmm. To investigate a little bit the, the bus routes that are close to their home and maybe uh, take a trip, uh, commute to their, to their office by bus. Also, I would suggest making sure that um, they go through, people go through um, like an understanding of um, thinking about safe transportation, right? Not uh, texting and driving or, um, you know, being kind of um, uh, irresponsible uh, when driving mm -hmm. uh, because this can have a huge impact, not only in the efficiency of the system, um, crosses and fatalities can result, uh, of course, in a terrible outcome for these involved, but also in delays uh, for everybody else, right? So it has a huge effect. So being responsible and um, safe is important. And I think um, the last most and most uh, important thing is advocate for sustainable solutions, right? So mm -hmm. usually in the local uh, government, we we um, have the capability, for example, to review the new bike lanes uh, plans and development for for our city. So it is important to go there or contribute online with comments and suggestions um, because this actually will have a long-term impact in our community. Um, and this is the best way that people can be involved in advocating for sustainable um, local solutions that can span beyond transportation to every single field. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that uh, like, like, like we talked about um, previously, like the public transportation, but also you said um, like commenting on, on um, like different things and I, like social media, I think is uh, very helpful in our fight for, for um, being, having a better environment because we can all like talk about uh, different, different ways we can do stuff. We can share um, pictures of like zero, like a zero waste lifestyle. And I think that, mm -hmm. that inspires others um, to do more things like that. Um, so now going a little bit back to um, transportation. Um, so some of the biggest things like like 
uh, I, I was reading one of your research articles about um, how transportation has changed with um, like a big natural disasters. You have hurricanes or things like that. So, so my assumption is that like um, there is more of a community when you have when you have like um, these natural disasters, and that may like spark more public transit. Is that like a good um, thought process, or or what's like the what 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 actually happens when you have a natural disaster? Uh, if you think about of an event like a hurricane, right? In, in its aftermath, you have a lot of disruptions in the infrastructure. You can have flooding on subways, right? Or bridges that are have debris and are not easily um, usable. So um, the recovery process depends also in the intensity of the hazard. So it might, um, uh, you might need days to essentially get back to uh, the infrastructure level of um, uh, level of service that people can can get back readily to do their prior um, uh, travel um, and activities, right? So it affects, of course, people's mobility and the ability to to reach opportunities. I, I would say that usually what happens in the aftermath of such events, we see that. Um, uh, maybe some transit routes are disruptive and um, people that rely on this fixed type of infrastructure like rail might need to switch for a limited amount of time to mm -hmm. modes that are more flexible like passenger vehicles. Mm -hmm. um, but there, you're right that people also um, have are getting together and maybe have nowadays the capability to telecommute or telework, right? So they're canceling trips because their um, uh, office at home can facilitate their, uh, their work for the day. Um, so there are solutions that can help kind of uh, stay, have, help people stay productive, but also um, reduce delays on the roads. We also see that uh, it is important in the aftermath of disasters to um, have officials to be prepared for changed travel patterns um, because People will recognize that not all of the roadways are now usable, so they might start earlier their commute, right, and might experience longer delays. We've also seen that um, areas like gas stations and in the future charging stations will become bottlenecks. They will become congested areas, right, because a lot of people are worried whether enough gas or um, uh, their vehicles have enough state of charge to to continue being operational. Um, there's all of those changes that occur and this uncertainty that drives people making sometimes uh, unreasonable choices, right? Mm. Um, like being overly uh, demanding gas for their vehicles, but we've seen it during several disasters. So um, unfortunately with the climate change, these are expected to happen uh, more frequently. Uh, so. Uh, taking measures that can help people adapt mm -hmm. and recover faster um, are crucial. Yeah, like there's the resilience of people and um, also just like having the infrastructure in place to help them uh, bounce back is, is mm -hmm. very key um, uh, to the aftermath of like a hurricane or anything. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to go um, and talk about your background, which is like, um, how and when did you get interested in working in engineering, specifically transportation? 
Yeah, so I guess for me, um, this occurred naturally through my studies. I didn't really have a store, an origin story, right? Um, of, I, what I had is I had very supportive mentors. Um, I think this, is, this, this becomes more and more important nowadays, and particularly thinking about um, not having enough women in engineering, right? Uh, having role models plays a role. So for me, I, I, I always um, was interested in um, the sciences, math, right? Mm -hmm. And I was, I was a good student. Uh, so um, I, I thought that an engineering career will suit me. Uh, but when I um, uh, like entered my, the civil engineering uh, profession, I haven't really decided which way you, uh, I would go. And um, I found a mentor who actually challenged me to think more about um, the sustainability of the transportation systems and um, helped me kind of uncover these challenging questions that made me interested to continue a career in transportation. So I think that this curiosity uh -huh. um, and the ability to see a role model that uh, inspired me to follow this um, field um, helped me uh, make this choice. I think many students watching you um, and other women on this podcast will be inspired um, to uh, do like environmental science or just protect the environment and uh, in whatever way they can. And I think I think you're definitely right. Like having prop, having good mentors that have guided you to this to to where you are now has probably very much helped and. Um, we all need to appreciate their support. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mentorship is um, one of the most important roles. Being a faculty, I enjoy mostly discussing with students and providing guidance, as well as coming up with new research ideas, exploring new topics. Um, working with them is uh, amazing. Um, and yeah, I, I think that um, having role models, having representation, um, being able to um, being able to see the, the young generation being supported mm -hmm. um, and also a challenge right at the very same time um, it is it is fascinating. I think that uh, everybody who is in the field of research owes to um, be mentoring um, new interns, students, uh, whatever like they call the new generation that uh, engages in their field. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm I'm so happy that we that students know that there's people out there that are willing to help us. I think that's absolutely lovely. So um, this podcast is focused on like women in STEM. So what would what advice would you give to young um, underrepresented people, either in um, uh, either like as a female? Um, about uh, getting going into the environmental field? Mm -hmm. I would suggest um, being confident, right? As they enter the, the environmental uh, field science um, to be curious and confident and um, ask questions and try to make the most out of the opportunities that they are given. And also uh, hunt um, hand down um, like uh, mentors and uh, people that can provide guidance, right? Constantly mm -hmm. ask for advice um, and expand their networks. I think um, 
of course, it is important to like, be able to build your fundamentals and have strong uh, scientific background. But yeah. then um, it comes down to also identify a group of people that is supportive um, and um, excites you and uh, enables you to think outside the box, right? So um, both developing um, strong um, background in science and engineering and also um, identifying and expanding your network become uh, essential in terms mm -hmm. of being successful in this field. Absolutely. Um, just, I think, I, I think um, anyone listening will take your advice on this and yeah, of course, be confident and curious. I think being curious is um, like a common trait all science, all, all people in STEM um, share. And I think it's it really makes us like really big community. And I love that. Mm -hmm. um, so another, another um, part of like STEM is having an art aspect. So do you think art, humanities, um, other subjects like that, do you think they belong to the environmental science or, or just the STEM field? Of course, I, I, I wholeheartedly believe that. And nowadays we see that all of our projects, uh, all of our research endeavors end up um, being interdisciplinary, multidisciplinary. And actually we gain much more uh, visibility and impact out of collaborating with other fields. So um, the ability of having a common language to communicate with uh, social scientists, with artists, uh, with those in the humanities, mm -hmm. um, and of course with engineers and scientists um, is needed. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, enhancing our coursework in universities, in schools, with um, 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 fields of um, and, and uh, classes from uh, social science and humanities is um, is needed for developing engineers and scientists that have sensitivities right and understand and are curious on how their work will be utilized in the future um, and they try to um, make sure that their inventions or their contributions are used for good purposes right yeah, exactly. Um, communication is like a big part of of science. Like science communication, um, just is is important for every every researcher to to do. Or science or STEM communication mm -hmm. uh, more generally is, and that's important. And um, I think that's that's one of the reasons why I wanted to do this podcast, which was um, to have more people in the field like share their knowledge and um, and really uh, expose. The listeners and me to different types of um, uh, science all around us. Um, mm -hmm. so I think that's really cool. Um, just to just to close off our, our lovely conversation so far, um, what other like experiences would you like to share, um, and if any, um, from from either your research or just your life up till now? Experiences? Do you mean a kind of an interesting? Um like insight or a collaboration outcome or what what are you interested in here sure um anything that like stood out to you maybe had like a big impact on on you um or anything you would like to share that we haven't talked about 
Yeah, I think uh, maybe I, I will share what what I enjoy kind of working on in in engineering and particularly in transportation. Um, I mentioned previously that um, my my group is involved in a few projects that have um, a real world kind of application, right? And I enjoy very much when um, we create opportunities for people that are actually involved, let's say in the electrification field, come together and provide um, feedback and advice our, um, our, on our research. So essentially, um, I like having the opportunity to get exposed to different viewpoints and learn from their insights and integrate them right in the, our next endeavors. So a lot of the, the new research questions that I have actually come from either uh, talking and discussing with people that um, are in my field, but are not doing exactly like the same uh, types of studies that I'm working on, because this is how I get the opportunity to learn from them. Um, and uh, also learn from their practices, which are usually different than mine, um, mm -hmm. while also kind of providing to my uh, research a much more um, realistic and, um, uh, let's say, representative viewpoint of reality, which mm -hmm. is needed nowadays in order to, to have outcomes that are really applicable and can be utilized and inform potential uh, policymaking decisions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and um, and lastly, if anyone would like to reach out to you, where can they do so? Uh, yeah, they can reach out to me via email, contu uh, at illinois.edu, or they can um, go to my webpage and yeah, reach out through through the mechanisms that are available there. Yeah, I can put all the links in the podcast episode sure. description. Um, and just uh, to, to remind our listeners, uh, we've been talking to um, Dr. Uh, Ria uh, Kontau, and I want to thank you so much um, for joining me here and sharing your thoughts about transportation, um, electrification, and a community that we have. Um, and I really appreciate it. I've learned a lot from you. Thank you. Thank you for hosting me here. I appreciate yeah. it. And thank you to the listeners for listening. <laughs>